Okay, Bible study time. Super excited about the the next two uh, two weeks uh, two weeks of our Bible study guide. So, twenty million movement, twenty million people around the world, all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time, and we are dealing with creation, Genesis as the foundation for the entire Bible. I think it does a really good job at setting the whole thing up. It does. You know, it, it starts at the beginning, which is a great place to start. <laughs> yes. Whenever you write a story. Uh, it's, Always it, good to start at the it's beginning. It's sort of like, um, it, it's a, you know, your fairy tales go once upon a time, but the true ones, you know, at the start. Well, what's interesting this is it starts at the beginning and it gives you glimpses of the end. It doesn't, yeah. You know, a really good novel and a really good story will start at the beginning. Always gives does, you a little bit of a teaser. gives you glimpses of the yeah. end so that you're teasing you your way along. That's right. Okay, so let's run, a, run some of the. Th- run some through. Some of the, 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 let me try that again. Let's run through some of the things that we find popping up in, say, the first 10 chapters of Genesis. You know, that's not very far into the Bible. And what you find is all of these chapters are covering a huge, we have a few chapters covering a huge amount of time. And so what they're doing is they're giving us the bare bones the foundation, the framework on which the rest of the Bible will be built. Indeed. Okay, so what are some of the things that we have covered in the first uh, 10 chapters there? Well, smack bang, right at the start, you have the creation of the world. And the creation of humanity, Indeed. right along with it, yes. Uh, we've got the Sabbath. The uh-huh. Sabbath is created. Uh, then we have the origin of evil. Uh, we that missed the nature of God. Oh, the nature of God. Sorry, I missed yep. that. We missed we the, the nature, nature of God. We have the nature of God there as you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three of them right there at the very beginning. Indeed, we have the Messiah and the plan of redemption. We have us a glimpse into the future. And we have the sacrificial Messiah. We do indeed, of the Lamb. Sacrifice of the Lamb. The, the flood. The flood is something that is spoken about quite a lot. And the whole concept of judgment coming in there. Indeed. Uh, the covenant, you know, God's promise to us. Uh, not to flood the world again in, in entirety and, you know, uh, a commitment to us. And also the covenant of salvation that comes with that. Indeed. Because the, your covenant not to flood the world is linked to the covenant of salvation that you find in Genesis chapter 3. Indeed. And then uh, a bit later on in chapter 15, there's the, the dispersal of languages um, that happens at, at the Tower of Babel. Because they're trying to get uh, away from the flood again. Okay, so that gives us the origin of races. Yes, indeed. Uh, and then we've got you know genealogies and a framework and a, a foundation of of the lineage to Jesus, starting with That's Abraham, right. where he comes from, who he is. Exactly. Uh, and then we've got the power of God's spoken word, the nature of humanity, God's character, marriage between man and a woman, uh, stewardship of the earth and its resources, and the promises of a hope. Uh, and, and of the promises, the promised hope of a new creation. Okay, I love that promised hope of a new creation that sneaks its way in there because that's that that's that little bit where you've got you know a fantastic piece of literature that is beginning at the beginning but while giving you glimpses of the end. I think it's amazing that God has just finished creating the world and is saying, "I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to do it better." I think that's pretty cool. And um, I mean, I look outside. And I think it's I think it's pretty fantastic, and I've been to some places where I think it is the best thing just on earth. Stunning, just absolutely stunning. And I I think you know it's already fantastic, and to to just know that it's going to be even better than that is just mind blowing. It is. So 
good things are coming for, for the people of Jesus. They are indeed. And, of course, you know, when the Bible gives you that, you know, those glimpses of the second coming through there, it is pulling you in to the story, to the narrative, and and sewing this whole thing together so that as you go from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to find yourself, you know, from one end of the great controversy all the way down to the other. Here's an interesting question, question to ponder. Is the world a better place? Is the universe a better place because of the plan of salvation? Yes. Okay. Because we've got something to strive for. All right. So, but let's think about the the whole universe. Oh, the whole universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell you. And, and, and I don't know that I know the answer on this one either. No. This is just a this is a thought question for every, that just popped into my head. Is the universe a better place because of the plan of salvation? So let me give you the pros and the cons. Uh, the pros to that is that the plan of salvation gives us a new revelation of the character of God, a much deeper revelation and understanding of the character of God. It reveals, it, it saves humanity or a lot of humanity. A lot of people are saved as a result of it. And so the universe is able to have a deeper understanding of God's character and the universe is able to grow and increase due to those people who receive salvation, which is fantastic. Of course, you know, it's indispensable to us as Christians here at this time on earth. Uh, however, on the flip side, if the plan of salvation had never existed, that would then mean that sin had also never existed. Would the universe have been better if sin had never existed? Now, if sin had never existed, then that's fantastic. But there's always that danger of it existing sometime in the future, which for somebody who considers that could nag at the back of their mind, what if? Whereas now that as existed once, it need never exist ever again. In fact, the Bible says it will never exist ever, ever again. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so if the universe is never going to... Sorry, if, the, if sin is never, ever going to exist again, then isn't it worth the pain to just sort of have it and be gone with it forever? So a couple of different ways of looking at it, and I don't think either way is a right or a wrong way. On, on It's just a, a thought question that's come into my mind as I am looking through this particular passage. But we are going to start, Liam, with Genesis chapter 1. And verse one. How good. I reckon this, yeah, we'll get in. We'll break it down once we've read it, okay? But I think this is very powerful. Okay, here we go. Genesis chapter one and verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Full stop. Full stop. End of story. That's it. Okay, here's what I love about this passage right here is, first of all, it's simplicity. God doesn't get into an argument. God doesn't go into detail. God just states it as it is. In the beginning, God created. That's right. God created, you know, God created the universe, everything that's in it. He created humans and this world and everything that is on it. Okay, so then, of course, you've got, you know, Darwinian evolution, which is the alternative to this. If you do not want to believe in a creator God, that's pretty much the alternative that you have. Uh, and it pretty much contradicts Scripture in every way possible. One of the things that our Bible study brings out is, and this is an interesting, um, an interesting statement, attempts by some to harmonize Darwinian evolution with the Bible make Christians look silly. 
let's unpack that one for a little bit. How is it that theistic evolution makes Christians look silly? We're trying to use man-made things Mm -hmm. and align those with godly things. Yes. And it just... Sometimes things just aren't supposed to go together. It's like fitting, fitting, uh, uh, trying to fit a circle through a square box. It's like trying to oh, sit on top of a spiky fence with a leg on either side. Exactly. One in the evolution camp, one in the creation camp. It's going to be a very, very painful experience. It, yeah, it's, it's yeah. You just it's not looking great. In fact, it's an impossibility because if you think about it, the Bible says that for God, death is the result of sin. And that death is the enemy. And that God will destroy death. That God hates death. And God hates sin because sin brings death. I've got a question. Just coming back to, to the verse. Yes. How long do you think... So in, in one sentence, okay, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes. Then we spend the rest of the chapter going yes. through the rest of the days. How long in a period of time do you think that 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 sentence happened. How long did it take God to create the heavens and the earth? Okay, so here's what you've got. The earth was obviously created on the first day of creation. Indeed. Um, and the atmospheric heavens along with it. What you've got is an interesting verse, and let me just share this with you. It comes a little bit further down in uh, Genesis chapter 1, and I think it's very insightful. There are a number of different creation models that are put forward by creationists, creation scientists, and in Genesis chapter The reason I ask this one. is I've got a thought that I'll, I'll tie back to a previous thought that I had. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16 where the Bible says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. Okay, so here's what you've got. You've got God creating the earth and God creating the solar system right there on day one. Well, he's creating the earth on day one. He's creating the solar system a couple of days later uh, to, to, to warm the earth. So does that mean like the galaxy and the, the rest of the universe is created on day four? No. No. That means that the sun and the moon and the solar system are created on day four. Well, the, the, solar, the, the, the planets of the solar system so may the, have been created at the same time as the earth. We don't know. But the sun is created on day four and the moon is created on day four. So previous to day four... These two entities do not exist. So does that mean that, that the, uh, the Earth is just floating around at that point and then when the sun's there, suddenly it's got a gravitational force to Yeah, exactly. Around? Okay. Yeah. God's, God's eminently capable. If he, if he needed the Earth to be spinning in any particular location at any particular time, I think he can create enough gravitational force himself to do that. Indeed. Uh, however, but we, 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 don't, we don't need to have a model for how that took place. Um, what, we, what, what I find interesting, and this, is, and this is my view of what is taking place here, is that the Bible says that on the fourth day he made two great lights and he also made the stars. Now that phrase there, he made the stars also, or he also made the stars, does not demand that they were made on that day. It does demand that they were made by him. And so I see God living in a universe that is very, very old and creating an earth that is very, very young. So God is eternal. God has always existed. God will always exist. And God's nature is creativity. That's the nature of God. He's a creative being. I don't see God living for eternity 
in a universe that was completely just one vast, great emptiness of nothing. No, the Bible speaks about heaven. The Bible speaks about the angels that are in heaven. Uh, the Bible speaks, you know, about those who, you know, you know, the inhabitants of other parts of the universe. And so here we have a God who has existed from eternity, a God who is love. Now, here's another interesting point. The Bible says God is love. Love cannot exist in singularity. In other words, for God to be love, there has to be beings that he can love and that can love him. And so this is, this is what I'm seeing coming through in this verse, and I support a creation model. And others, others support a creation model in which uh, God creates the sun and the moon on the fourth day. Then he creates the stars here at the location of this world and then spreads them out through the universe from here, which puts the earth at the very beginning. And that's another uh, model that you know is a legitimate model as well for how it took place. But I just see that God, you know, I, I see God as a creative being. I see God as a, a being of love. And I see a universe that has been full of, you know, beings that love and that serve God for a very, very long time previous to this point. And the Bible speaks about, you know, the different, the various planets that are out there. Um, and the Bible speaks about, you know, the beings that are out there that are watching everything that is taking place here on this earth. And so I don't see a passage here that demands that the stars were made that day. Yeah, so the reason why I bring this up is I wanted to think about this for a little bit, okay? So God spent one day creating the heavens and the earth and the universe. He then spent six days creating just our earth. So how much more significant do you think that means that earth is compared to the rest of the universe? Compared to Mars. Compared to Mars and all the other planets and all the other galaxies and whatnot? fascinating news story came through this morning didn't have time to talk about it about the plans that they're making to inhabit the moon I've seen plenty of those I, I, they're trying to make uh, concrete for the moon out of urine um, I've, I've seen that story somewhere but you think about that right and then you think the time since then God's been spending that time creating a new earth so he spent one day creating the heavens and the earth and the, the universe seven days creating our planet seven days creating our planet and a thousand years creating heaven for us. And the time since then creating it for us. Didn't so this is what God. is, if you look around you, that's what God can do in six days. Yeah, give God, <laughs> give God 6,000 years and see what he can do. Or give him eternity and see what he can do. My mind is blown. <laughs> give a human being eternity. You, you look at the things that human beings have created, and there's some spectacular stuff out there. Give a human being eternity and see what happens. See what he's able to create. Oh, yeah. You know, that's... That's, that's next level again right there. Okay, so right here in uh, Genesis, let's go back to this concept of death, how God hates death. God calls death an enemy. Death is the result of sin. Death is unnecessary except for sin. It's God's way of containing sin and not allowing it to spread uh, and that God will destroy death. So then if you're going to take a theistic evolutionary model where there are six long indefinite periods of time in which you know god basically seeds the world with information and then it grows from there and there is a process of an evolutionary process of natural selection that is taking place then effectively what you have god doing is god's primary means of creation becomes death 
You have death that exists before sin. So death is God's primary means of creation rather than God's solution for sin. And so sitting on that spiky fence becomes an incredibly difficult place to sit indeed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's move on with our Bible study. Let's go to John chapter 1 and verse 1 to 3. Please, Liam. John 1, 1 to 3. And here we're going to read about Jesus in the beginning. We've been talking about Genesis as the creation story, and the creation story is the foundation for the entire Bible. This is another one of my favorite passages. I think it goes it goes unbelievably well with Genesis 1. Um, so here we go. Uh, what, what verse am I reading to? John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. 1 to 3. Okay. In the beginning, the Word already existed. I think, okay, I like this better in your version. I already, I already know. The, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him and nothing was created except through Him. Okay, so in the KJV, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was... And, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him. Was not anything made that was made. Definitely very poetic. Uh, I, yeah, I like it much better in that one. Right, I don't usually like it better in the, in the KJV, but uh, in this instance, as you said, it's much more poetic. Okay, so when we look at this particular passage here, who, who does the Bible say was the agent of creation? The agent of creation, God. Uh, yes, but specifically here. Oh, um, because God is three. Indeed, uh, God the. I don't know. All right, so the, good, good, good admission. Um, the word in the Bible is a reference to Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word was Jesus Christ, and the word was with God. Jesus was with God, and the word was God. Jesus was God. So you can take it. Oh word, yeah, okay. Yeah. You can take it the word word and replace it with Jesus Christ. Okay. And then you go to verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Indeed. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus was the primary agent in creation. In fact, there's another passage over, over uh, in Colossians that we can look at. Colossians, let's go there very quickly. Uh, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and I think we'll go down to about verse 17. Let's see here. Colossians 1, verse 17, speaking about Jesus again. What have you got for us there, please, Liam? Oh, just banged me nose. Here we go. Okay. Colossians 1, verse 17. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. Hmm. Mine is a little... We'll go back to verse 16. 16. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Okay, that's Jesus Christ right there. By him were all things created. So Jesus is the agent of all creation. Now let's stop and think about that for a moment because if we were to look out at our universe, it's a rather large place, wouldn't you say? Indeed. How many, how many suns do we got in our Milky Way? It's like, what, 200 billion or something or other? Um, that's our galaxy. Sorry, yeah, that's our galaxy, yeah, the Milky Way. Uh, that's that's kind of a lot. And so if you've got that many suns, the question is, how many planets do you reckon there are out there? I mean, if every one of those planets has 
every one of those suns has as many planets as us. And we would assume that some of those big ones have a whole lot more than we do. Uh, then, yeah. I've always been curious as to, you know, the, the whole, is there life outside of planet Earth? And it's something, I think that has been proven to be uh, some life, like some bacteria on Mars or something like that. But, you know, other beings. I've always been curious as to whether that is the case. It's something that I don't know. I, don't, I think that a lot of people don't know. Um, but yeah, is there anything that the Bible says about other beings being? Why don't we put that in for question of the day? Okay, well, and save that it way, the that end. way, I can answer your question for you conclusively. Okay, about that there we, we go. Have a I look forward answer. to it. I look forward to it. All right, let me just look up something here. I got some. I got some research here that I'm just looking for. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That's not what I'm looking for. Okay, here you go, here you go. All right, if you're going to travel through space, let's, let's, let's look at how big our universe is because this has a direct bearing on the question that comes through here. Um, if you're going to travel through space, you need to travel at the speed of light. Indeed. Uh, which is about 300,000 kilometres a second. That's very fast. You can circumnavigate the Earth seven times in the click of a finger. Seven times around the world. Yeah. That's travelling fast. That, yeah. Very, very fast. Okay, so in one year you would travel 9,460,807,810,620 kilometres. That's a long, long way in Indeed. one year. Indeed. However, if you were travelling at the speed of light, and of course, if you, if you do travel at the speed of light, eternity has happened. I'll try and wrap your head around that. If you travel at the speed of light, it's going to take you four years and four months to reach the nearest star outside of the sun. So the next the sun. sun. The next one. The next one. Well. It'll take you nine years to reach Sirius. It'll take you 47 years to reach the North Star. But what happens if you want to leave the Milky Way and go to another galaxy? How, do you th how long do you think that might take? An awfully long time. <laughs> yeah, only 750,000 years. Wow. Just to get to the wow. next galaxy. That's just the next galaxy. That's I, Andromeda. Oh, we've got... I, I've seen these pictures of, uh, from the Hubble Space Telescope of the, of the pictures they've taken of all these other yeah. galaxies. And, you know, it, it takes a while for them to get here. But it's... Oh. Okay. So let's say that you travel <laughs> one million times the speed of sound. Yeah. Not sound, light. Yeah, yeah. One million, so now you can circumnavigate the world seven million times in the click of a finger. Yep. It's now only going to take you four months to get to the next galaxy, but it's going to take you over 100 years to reach the end of where our land-based telescopes can see. So the universe is massive. Jesus created all of that. What does that mean to us that he also died on the cross? Yeah, I've got Liam just sitting here shaking his head. I'm shaking my head. And I just sit here and shake my head as well. It's, yeah, it's just baffling. I want you to think about that this morning. Talk about blowing your mind. I want you to think about the size of our universe this morning. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus created all of that. I want you to think about the fact that our earth is a speck of dust and we are an ant on a speck of dust. And Jesus loved us so much. He gave his life for us. He came to this earth. He became a human being. He lived on this earth and he gave his life so that he could spend eternity with you. That's how valuable and important to him you are.